Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick Podcast, a weekly podcast for writers. Grab a cup of coffee, perhaps some paper and pen, and enjoy an interview with an author, a chat with a writing tool creator, perhaps a conversation with an editor or other publishing expert, as well as Kat's thoughts on writing and her own creative journey. You'll laugh, you'll cry, well, hopefully not actually cry, but you will probably learn something. And I hope you'll be inspired to write because as I always say, you have a story, you should write it down. This is Pencils and Lipstick. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today, as I record the intro, it is March 5th, I believe. And we are recording the 121st episode. I have something special for you today. We're going to be talking with two people. So I'll be talking to two different romance writers, Madison Michael and Ashley Kay. They are both in the creative writing community. They have both come out with two books this spring and plan to come out with more in the coming months. And so I just wanted you guys to hear from them what they are planning to do on their sort of rapid release, what that means, why they sort of chose the path that they chose, and you know, a little bit from them on what we do at the creative writing community. I've heard from a couple of people that they don't really understand writing sprints. They think that the word sprint sort of means a movement towards how many words did you get done? Almost like it's, you know, a hustle. It sort of, I guess, conjures up this idea of I've come to type really fast sprint, you know, we're running fast. And I can completely understand that. What's interesting about writing sprints is it's basically a moment in which you are really trying to focus only on writing. That's what we mean by it. So we are going to change the vocabulary, I guess, around writing sprints. We're going to call them writing sessions because really it's okay if you don't get 5,000 words written in these writing sessions. That is not the idea. Now, I personally like to have word goals per day. It just shows me a measurement really of where I'm going and how much I got done in my book that day. It's okay if you don't do it like that. Honestly, the sessions that we have, which we have eight plus every week. In fact, I am recording this on Saturday and we are getting ready to have a writing session today. It's really just a time for you to come with other people online and write. And it it gives us like that space to tell people, no, this is my writing time. And for whatever reason, right or wrong, us humans have this ability to defend something when it's not just about us. And I don't know why that is. So if it's because a lot of us are getting together to write, it's almost easier to defend that that is your writing time. I also think that it helps you focus. It helps me focus to see everyone else, their writing, and I'm not going to waste my time. For some reason, it works psychologically. So I encourage you, if you want to check out writing sessions with us, a place where you can come and write and get some words down, get your research done for your book, get your editing done. Not everybody measures their progress in their project by words like I do. Some people just come to make sure that they are spending the time. Some people measure by pages. Some people just don't, you know, they're getting further along than they would have. And so we even talk a little bit about that with Ashley and Madison. Before I get into the show with them, I want to make sure that you know that all the links that they talk about are in the show notes. Wherever you're listening to the podcast, you just have to go to where the details of the podcast are, and you will be able to link over to Madison Michael's webpage or Ashley Kay's webpage or their books, et cetera, whatever they're talking about. You could also find the transcript of the show over at pencilsandlipstickallspelledout.com. 
You can also find out more information about writing sessions and the creative writing community at catcaldwell.com. And of course, all those links are in the show notes. If you want to support the Pencils and Lipstick podcast, I would completely appreciate it because it takes quite a bit of time and energy and a little bit of money to put the show together. I enjoy it immensely. I plan to continue with this podcast. I need to catch up to the Creative Pen podcast. It has like 600 (laughs) episodes and still going. So clearly there's no catching up there. No, but I'm having a really good time. And I plan on continuing with the podcast. But if you would like to support it, to make sure that I am caffeinated and my editor, Christy, is caffeinated over at sheedits.com, please head on over to patreon.com forward slash pencils underscore lipstick and be a part of the show. We'll give you a shout out. You can start out as little as $3 a month or a one-time gift. That's perfectly fine with us. We just appreciate you listening and supporting the show. Please think about reviewing the show. We talk about reviews on books, but if you would review the show as well, that would always always help the algorithm and share the show with all the other writers that you know, aspiring writers or readers, because we talk a lot about books here. And now let's get into the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pencils and Lipstick podcast. Today, we are recording the 121st episode, and I'm really excited to have two people on. This is the very first time I've had three, a throuple. Is that something, Ashley? (laughs) I have Ashley Kay with me and Madison Michael, and they're both romance authors. So we will probably talk in romance tropes the entire time that we talk. <laughs> Hello, you two. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Hey, Kat. Good, good. All right. Let's start with Ashley Kay. You are a newly published author. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and what you are writing. Um, hi, everybody. I'm Ashley Kay. I am from the Southwest. I live uh, in Nevada. I am a mom to a very rambunctious little girl. I write contemporary steamy romance, and I love every bit of it. I just released Trusting You. It's on Amazon, and I just can't wait to see what's, what's next. Yes. I'm so excited for you. All right, Madison Michael. What do you write and where are you from? I am Madison Michael. Call me Maddie. I am just outside Chicago and I'm in the process of republishing my very first series, which is a billionaire series. I write steamy contemporary romance like Ashley, but my heroes tend to be billionaires and occasionally my heroines tend to be billionaires. I love that because we get to talk about all of the things that are so expensive in the world. (laughs) It gives us an excuse to Google, what is the most expensive pair of sunglasses? (laughs) You can have that in your book. Oh my gosh. So as we talk today, I want to talk a little bit about writing life, of course, as new author, Ashley's a new author and Maddie has quite a few books, um, but she is revamping. So we're going to talk about that as well. But um, Ashley, first, can you tell us a little bit about Trusting You and where you see that book going and what might be coming down the line in 2022? So Trusting You is the first book in my very first series, the Hadley Fall series. And it's centered around four friends that each, you know, get their shot at love. Because what else do romance writers write about but love? Exactly. (laughs) So Trusting You is about Katie Hart. Uh, She is the baker, the pretty much renowned baker for the city of Hadley Falls. And if you've been in any city, you know how it is, right? You may live in a city, but when you work on like a main street, everybody knows your business. So you kind of get to see all these little different side characters. Um, But Katie gets dumped on her birthday. And... Oh, that's a great way to start your birthday, right? Um, And her best (laughs) friend comes to the rescue and drags her to a bar. She meets a really, really hot guy. And it goes on from there. And I am super excited. The next book, Trusting Me, is coming out in um, June of this year. And that will follow another friend and Katie's brother. 
So it was really exciting story. Um, and I cannot wait. I don't want to give too much away because you got to read the first one first. Yeah, of course. No, you have to leave some of it. And of course, we will have links in the show notes because, of course, as good indie authors go, both of these ladies have little tidbits that you can get for free when you sign up for their newsletter. So we'll talk about that a little bit at the end. And um, I want to talk about series and how we get to that. But let's first hear from Maddie about what you just re-released as well. So I swear, Ashley, I'm not copying you. but. (laughs) I just re-released a completely re-edited and revamped version of my very first book, which is called Bedazzled. It is part of a series called The Beguiling Bachelors. It is about four highly entitled and successful men who fall in love and learn that money can't buy love and they have to, you know, jump through some hoops, but they all have happy endings. And I'm now working on a second series, a 12 book series, also built around friends called All's Crazy in Love. And the the crazy is a reference to a group of friends who are in their 30s, but have been friends since they were eight years old, and they call themselves the crazy eights. So that's what I'm working on. I love the concept that you guys have for both for all of the series and all of the ideas. Cause I know Ashley also has like two other series in her brain <laughs> as well. So what is the, the strategy a little bit? You're both contemporary romance writers. You're both writing series. Is that something that is typical for romance? Well, I can go first. I did not set out to write a series originally. I I set out to write one story about a wealthy bachelor and a a young jewelry designer who have a wonderful meet cute in an elevator that I will not give away, but I needed my bachelor, Wyatt, I needed him to have people to talk to. And I gave him three Mm -hmm. friends that he meets regularly for drinks that he could have conversations with so that you could find out what he was thinking. Right. And they became set. They were my secondary characters, but as the book progressed, they became interesting in their own right. And I realized I had the making of a series. If I just told the stories of each of the four bachelors. So that was not an intentional series. My next series is an intentional series. And part of the reason is that romance readers read a lot. They read a lot of books. And so if they like your book, they're going to come back and look for more books by the same author. And as an author, you want to give your readers what they want. And so. Yeah, that makes sense. Is that your same thinking, Ashley? Did you set off to write a series? Um, Yes. So I write okay. a little bit different series than Madison writes, I believe. Madison writes series that are standalone. I write interconnected series. Okay. So I grew up being that kid that always wanted to know what happened later. Like what Mm -hmm. happened to that dude's cousin or what happened to that side character? I was that kid. And I think I was like 18 or 19 when I found that there's actually series like authors and romance that do this. They write a mm. series and then they write a spinoff series based on, you know, these people's brothers. And I became ravenous for that. And when I started okay. plotting Trusting You, it kind of just took over. And I, yeah. I noticed that I fell in love with these side characters. And so then I started doing the same thing where it was like, oh, well, I have four, but now I'm going to do this and this. And it's the same. I mean, readers love the series. So you have to kind of give them what they want. Yeah. And it, and as a selling point, do you think it's helpful to have, like, is that part of it at all to have a series where people can I uh, pick so. up it's, on a different it's character? It's like having a vacation somebody can go to, to, you build this world that people love and it's a place for them to like check out into it. As you keep building it, it's just more opportunities for them to fall back into it. And also as you get further into a series, even if the character's are are different. The lead characters are different when you get to book three or book four. You're still revisiting a little bit those primary characters that's kicked off your series. 
And people feel like they know them more. They get more in-depth opportunities to, to learn about them and see them come and go within the other stories until they, they're really invested. It's, it's really no different than, than Lee Childs writing about Jack Reacher. People feel like they know Jack mm. Reacher. And they want to read more Jack Reacher. They want to, because they know, they feel like they know him. They feel invested in him. And, and that's thrillers, right? That's mysteries and thrillers. That's not romance. But it's really about feeling like you're more deeply involved, whether it's Star Wars or Jack Reacher or the Hadley Falls series or the Beguiling Bachelors. Right. So basically you follow, you have them fall in love with the main characters and then it's like, Oh, but you want to see the friends like in real life. We want to see our friends meet people, right. And get married and be happy. And so your idea, I guess, as a romance author is to get them to care about the side characters as much as they care about the main characters. And sometimes your readers will surprise you and like a character that you had no intention of keeping around. And then they're like, Oh wait, you wanted them. (laughs) I just had that happen. And I created a, I mentioned a younger brother in passing in my Beguiling Bachelor series, and now he's become the hero in one of my Crazy Eights books because oh, people cute. said, well, what happened to Ethan? So I brought back Ethan. So you never know, oh, but really your readers will tell you what they want. That's interesting. So you both talk about your readers telling you that how do you do that as an author? How do you get feedback from your readers, what strategies have you guys used to, to tap into that? Ashley, you want to go first? Sure. So I first utilized Facebook. I have a Facebook group. That's what I started first. And it's Ashley K readers, but I have people, I had like my core group of like my like ride or die people in there first. And I just asked them questions. Like, what do you want to do this and this? And now I'm developing my newsletter through story origin, which is an amazing writer tool for you writers out there listening and it's let me I can ask questions in my email and I get responses Mm. back or I can send them polls and they just literally this week told me that they want family trees I let them pick between four freebies they want to see and they want family trees so I was really cool to hear their insights and what they like cool so they like seeing that what about you Madison I do a a twice a month I do a an email newsletter and I ask questions, I do polls, but most of the time, amazingly, I get completely unsolicited emails from people who read a book and say, I'm really curious about why this happened or can we see more of this? It happened a tremendous amount when I wrote my second book, which is called Beholden. It gets confusing, bedazzled, beholden. Um, And my revamp Beholden is coming out this month. So when I did Beholden, people started sending me emails like crazy saying, I really love this character. Whatever you do, don't let him disappear. Or can you see more of this? Or what happened to so-and-so? Or my favorite, can you write a whole book about where they are five or 10 years later? Oh, sure. I can definitely. I'll just drop everything and do that right now. Now, I mean, and the temptation is to want to do that, to drop everything and give them what they want. But I do get unsolicited emails and I do like Ashley do polls. And I also do, I have a Facebook group, but also I, I have beta readers. I don't know how an author survives without beta readers. So the first people who read my book are invited to give me as much honest, down and dirty feedback as they can. And a lot of the time, what they'll say is beef up this character and then write a book about them because they're really interesting. So, so do you, do you, as a, as a writer find it interesting or more, I guess, more interesting or easier to write in a series, like to return back to the characters or or do you sometimes kind of wish that you could just write standalones? I don't know. I write standalones. So I'm not really sure how you do series. I don't really know how to not write. So my brain tangents really well. And just in random conversation, like I'll get sparks for ideas for things. So anytime I've said I'm going to do this story, 
for instance, I have a story I'm working on and literally was only going to work on that story. And I already have an idea for a spinoff that was not intentional. So my brain just doesn't. <laughs> so yeah, that's just how your it brain works. It like constantly just goes. And I have a really good memory. So it's really easy for me to remember the story details and the randomness most of the time. And you never sleep. Yeah, that too. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you girls keep like Excel files yeah. or notes on what happened, or do you write them so quickly? Oh, you do. You I, both. I do. You're a, both shaking. Yeah, your I keep a. <laughs> they call it a series Bible, and I can't live without mine. I, I I've actually um, boxed myself into a corner with my new All's Crazy in Love series, but I keep a series Bible where you say everybody's name and where they interact with each other and. And if you reference their niece, what their niece's name is, and if you reference their sister, what their sister's name is, if they went to college, where you said they went to college, so that when you get further down in the series, you make sure that you're consistent with what you said three books ago. But my new series, All's Crazy in Love, happens in the same time frame. So if a conversation happens in book one between two characters, then when I get to the book about the second character, that same conversation has to happen in both the other book, but from forget. a different point of view. <laughs> and if I had realized how difficult that was going to be, I would never have gotten myself in this situation. I feel like writers say this a lot. If I knew, <laughs> but I know now, I would right. oh, yeah. <laughs> But we just have to write our books. So I want to um, focus a little bit on two different aspects that you guys are not similar in. So Ashley, first you're up. You are a mom. She's like three, right? She's four. at that age. Four. Like super cute. But of course, kids take a lot of time. You also work a full-time job. You know, sometimes have to see your husband, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> somewhere. He's, he's around somewhere. You know, you keep up with writing. How has life and writing do you have any tips on balance or or just encouragement for how people can can do the same thing yeah so my biggest tip is don't compare yourself we as if like as a whole people tend to compare themselves to other people um or you compare where you're starting to someone's middle you can't do that at all and i will say like i i've had plans for things i finished trusting you by the end of 2019 um, and was fully prepared to have it published by 2020. And in August of, well, besides COVID happening in 2020, <laughs> um, my daughter in August of 2020 was diagnosed with autism. And it wasn't handled very well, in my opinion. Um, I was literally just like told that so much was going to have to happen. And I was literally like very, and I felt like I was never going to get out of it. And writing was done. And then I kind of kicked myself in the butt and wiped myself off and found this amazing community of women um, in the beginning of 2021, I believe. And I had to get on a schedule and just force myself to show up every day. We tend to get into this thing of it's not making money, so it's not a big deal or it's not earning me money. Mm -hmm. So work is harder or work needs to come first. But the truth of the matter is, if you put the effort in, it would be making you money. And if you did it, it right. would be bringing in everything you want. And I can say that because, I mean, I just published in February and I've already seen the fruits of my labor. So just calendar block your day and just do it. That's all I can say. And as long as, honestly, if you have a goal of 2,000 words and your kid is screaming at you and life gets in the way, it's okay. If you only got 200 words in, because you made progress. If you only got five words in, you made progress. That's all that matters. And trust me, this is coming from a mom who literally gets up at like 2 to 3 a.m. midnight sometimes and has to work a full day and doesn't get to go back to bed till like 10. I know how hard it is, but you just keep going. And that's all you can do. And give yourself yeah. grace. And I think like you are smart to not try to add one more thing to your plate after a diagnosis like that, when they're probably saying you got to go to this therapist and you got to make an appointment with this person and you, and you're working at the same time. And I think we try to force ourselves to continue down the road that we were on like the day, literally the day before, like, well, I'm still going to publish my book, but the progress you've made, like 
this month because you took the time to find a moment in which you could do it right. And it, I mean, you've gotten so many sales already. It's really great. So many page reads. I don't know if that would happen if you were just like, oh, just press publish so that it's done. I got to go look at my daughter now, you know, like, do you think that it would have been the same? No, I can honestly say if I hadn't have taken the time that I had taken, um, it wouldn't be the same book. It would be, there would be reviews that say that it sucks, that it's not edited mm. right. And that I didn't take my time with it. I can, I can be honest. Um, the cover alone has changed the original cover that I had done because I'm a graphic designer as well by day has changed dramatically in the year from what I had originally mm. had to publish to what is on the published product. It's leaps and bounds over what it started as. And had I rushed and hit and hit go, I would have a logo I'm not happy with. I would have brand mm-hmm. colors I'm not really in love with. And a cover I just think is pretty, but is not like breathtaking. And and I'm not even tuning my own horn. I literally look at my cover and I love it. Like it makes, it gives me joy. It is beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> um, but the other one didn't give me that joy. And this one does. Mm-hmm. So I know I made the right decision, even if it delayed my time, because it may have delayed my time, but I still hit my goal. So that's all that matters. Right. And when you hit publish, what we don't know sometimes, speaking of, you know, if I knew what I knew now, I mean, I always talk about when you hit publish, if you don't have a strategy behind the publish, like I didn't in 2017, nothing happened, you know? So your, your book just sits there and your second one's coming out already because it's almost finished. Like, do you think that that will help you like having that sort of timeline where you're, you come out with your first one and then your second one only a few months um, later. Yeah, I think it's really going to help the momentum. And I will say, had I pushed publish in 2020 when I was ready, the second book would not be coming out till now. So instead of a, I think we're mm-hmm. going from like two February to March or February to a June release, we would have had 2020 to a 2022 release. That's a big gap in time. So right. it definitely helped. Right. Like keeping those readers following yep. you. And I mean, it's possible, but it's, it, it's way a more, different yeah, kind it's of actually, work. It's so much more work because not only then do you have to focus on your writing, your content for your social media and what you put in your newsletter has to go far and above what you would have had had you waited because you have to keep them engaged, but you don't really have anything to engage them like completely with it's one thing to build a newsletter for six months because you're you know you have this going on um and in certain genres that's expected in romance genre that is not expected romance readers are they they're gluttonous for more books like they just want it give it give it give it give it give it, <laughs> give it. they like you could not even be done with a book and they're like can i have it like i just want it can i just can i just get it now i need i need the story um and i love <laughs> Right. I'll help I you make that, the ending. I'm so like that with books. But yeah, I really um it's really helped. That is cool. I like I like that strategy. I wish somebody had told me that in 2017. <laughs> um, but Maddie, you are republishing books. And that, this has actually come up in a couple different Twitter conversations because yes, I waste time on Twitter sometimes of people, you know, deciding whether to revamp a book. Because some, you know, we don't know what we don't know when we're writing our first book. I I went back and redid uh, my first book. So what made you decide that you wanted to change some things or what is it that you changed? And why did you decide to, to revamp it and republish it instead of just, I guess, moving on to your 1200 book series of the KB8s? <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not 1200, please. <laughs> um, actually, I had some outside help. And I, I agonized over it, to be perfectly honest, mm. because it was a very expensive proposition. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I shut down. I felt like mm-hmm. there was so much going on in the world that I, there was no place for writing romance novels. It felt frivolous to me, and I could not write new contents. And I knew Hmm. this about myself. So I started looking at what I already had and how I could keep a hand in the game while I struggled with this whole creativity issue. And I was following 
Kirsten Oliphant, who does a, a podcast of her own, I think she used to do a podcast, but I'm sure it's still available, called Create If Writing. And she mm-hmm. is a, a, a marvelous book marketing coach. And she was offering a very inexpensive, I'll take a look at one book that you've written from a marketing perspective. I'll look at your website. I'll look at your Amazon um, book description. I'll look at your cover. Or I'll look at your look inside. And she gave me some tough love, some very tough love. Hmm. She said, you really need to focus on your writing craft because the fir- the book I gave her was my very first book. And she wasn't wrong. We all get better the mm-hmm. more we write. And uh, I'm no different. So she said, you need to focus on your writing craft. And I dug deep because I was not selling books because I was not writing books. And I paid for an editor. And I Mm. gave my books, all four of the Beguiling Bachelor books, to a professional editor, a marvelous editor named Nicole from Emerald Edits. And she tore them apart in some places. And she... She kind of um, reassured me in others. And now I have the same story told differently, told better. Mm -hmm. And I was going to first only have her do the first book, because if I could sell the first book, maybe I could entice people to read the whole series. But she did such a great job on the first book that I gave her the whole series. And so now I have a better book, a better product. Um, And I'm really excited to release it. It's the same story. So someone who's read it already is going to say, well, it, it reads a little smoother or the characters are a little better. And it gave me also a chance to take in the reviews, good and bad, and Mm -hmm. adjust my characters a little bit based on reader feedback, which was really fun to do. But that's what I did. I could have either tossed it aside and lost a year completely. Or I could invest in my writing for a year and come back when I the year was over and I was ready to start being creative again. So that's what I did. I think that's a fabulous idea because we all sort of have these stories in our head and writing them, it's hard work, but we don't, again, know what we don't know. And storytelling isn't, there's like, there is a craft to it, which honestly, I didn't look into. I don't, you know, for the longest time. (laughs) So there is like, a that is what editors bring to the table. And it can sometimes, I always tell people like, it's a hard thing and you can either go with an editor or you can do a course, (laughs) which will take time and money. You can read a lot of books and it just sort of depends on how you learn and, you know, how you react to the editors, I guess, how you respond to learning, right? But an editor, in your case, was able to show you what you did great, what needed improvement, how to keep the same book. And now you have four books that do you have a added confidence to going out there and selling them? I'm prouder of them. Yeah, that's cool. Because when I first wrote a book, I just had a story to tell. Yeah. And when I when I got to book five, book six, book seven, I started to want to put really good books out there, mm-hmm. not just stories. I wanted to be proud of my work. It's in some respects, it's my legacy. I don't have children. I don't think my cat counts. And so I, it, my books will be my legacy. They will be right. there when I'm no longer here. And I wanted them to be something I was proud of. And so now, thanks to great editing, I think that they are books I'm proud of. So yeah. definitely good. Yeah. And it's easier to pay for marketing and push out a book if it's really something that you're confident in. It doesn't, doesn't mean that some somebody out there is going to not like your book because we all get books. <laughs> Can't please all the people all the time. Oh my gosh. I sometimes have to remind myself, no, you, you did get that book edited just because that person doesn't <laughs> like it doesn't mean anything. But, you know, when I was talking to Desiree Holt, who has over 300 books, if you guys didn't hear that interview, that's in January. And she said she went back and she revamped some of her books because we all get better. And I think you just have to make that decision whether, 
whether you sort of move on because I've heard other authors just take them off sale. <laughs> they just they remove them if they're they're not super happy with them or if you revamp them. I think they're both valid ideas. I I would rather have something out there. I'm all for revamping. Making money. I mean, you can't right? you, you. that you see that all the time, especially <laughs> in romance. You'll revamp a cover because I mean you have to. You have to revamp your covers in this game. Things change so yeah. often, especially in romance. Uh two years ago, I would say, Maddie, you can correct me if I'm wrong on the date why. But two years ago, you couldn't look up romance and not see a half-naked man on the cover with everything, you know, and just a super hot cover. Now, if you look up romance, you could pick up a book with an illustrated cover and get 10 pages in and be like, whoa, where did this come from? Like, you have no idea. And I I love that because it's empowering women to pick up what they want to read and not care what's on the cover and not care what's inside the pages or reading what we want to read because we want to read it. Yeah. And I love that. It really has. It really has changed. I mean, the, the, yeah. the half naked yeah. six pack abs, Absolutely. totally tattooed guy has, has given way to a cover like Ashley's, which is stunningly beautiful flowers. Thank you. Yeah. That's that, that isn't, do you think that has to do with like, catching a new market or just like things change and you might as well change the cover? I think that one one thing that's a problem for romance writers is one of the first things you have to communicate to your readers is the level of heat Mm. inside your book, which is the level of sexual description. Description, thank you. That's <laughs> um, in the book. So, you know, there's sweet and clean romance, okay, all the way to erotica and every level in between. And your cover has to somehow or other tell a reader, don't pick this up if you don't want to know things in explicit detail, um, or do pick this up, it's going to be funny. It's a rom-com mm. and your, your cover needs to portray that. And so traditionally what you did was you put a naked man or close to naked man, <laughs> on, as, as close to naked as you could get with Amazon on your cover to say, this is a sexy, steamy romance. And you did an illustrated cutesy cover saying, this is a clean, sweet, funny romance. Mm. But what's happened is that they've kind of blurred those lines. And I, I'm not sure how readers are responding to it, but authors really are, as Ashley said, they're embracing it. They mm. want the freedom to make the cover that they want to make for their book. Right. Yeah, I do love that about indie. Like the indie industry changes and it gives us an opportunity to change with it. Yeah. And and like Ashley said, it really empowers us, especially as female authors, to be like, yeah, and female readers. I don't know how many people disparage romance around me. And I'm like, you have no idea how much romance writers know. They know so much stuff. <laughs> I, I will tell you, I have a I have a philosophy about romance that there is a romance book for every reader. And I'm not oh, saying yeah. every female reader, every reader. Because romance, you can read a romantic suspense if you love mystery. You can read a romantic thriller if you love thrillers. You can read paranormal romance. You can read horror romance. You can read steamy erotica romance. You can, everything you can think of has a. They even have Star Trek romances. On there you go. Like that whole, like, to the space version of romance. There is something for everyone. I saw one the other day. That was, oh, it was a good title. And now I'm not going to think of it. <laughs> now you're on the spot. It was like bar- Barbarian Icelanders or something. And nice. I was like, <laughs> the cover is awesome. It's like all blue and ice. I saw it on Instagram. But I just thought, yeah, that's so cool. Like, this is why I love romance. It's just another world. Like, where am I going to go today? Ashley, pick, pick your adventure. Yeah. Ashley and I have set out to convince the world that they want to read romance. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's funny because I've read, I've picked up a couple different thrillers throughout my life where I was like, whoa, well, look at there. That's what we're doing now. (laughs) Like, it's not, sex is a part of life, you know, I guess if you don't want to read it, like, even in thrillers or whatever, you're just, I don't know what to tell you. Go find clean. (laughs) (laughs) 
I have no idea. Um, don't pick up one of my books if you want clean. <laughs> don't pick up one of my books if you want clean and wholesome. Or Desiree Holt. I, like, oh, but it doesn't really have anything to do with the writing or the storytelling, though, is what the main point. Like, just because it has steam in it doesn't mean that there there isn't a story and it doesn't mean that there isn't a theme and there isn't progression and there aren't deep characters that's what people who don't read romance or disparage romance don't really know and as in life you know you should check it out before you make a decision (laughs) or make it a judgment i actually know an author who writes everything but the steamy scenes first so she just really holds the steamy scenes and writes the plot and everything else out and then goes back in and writes the scene. Oh, look, Maddie does. Do you do now that I know too. <laughs> well, Maddie, during our writing sprints, you you uh, always talk about how you'll write it later. Do you do you write them now? Are you comfortable? You actually, yes. Just, just, just yesterday on our writing sprint, I was doing a fill-in sex scene on one of my books that had a big red hold here for sex. So there's something like flipping through the pages of my book as it's you know sitting on my giant monitor and having a, a bold red statement that says hold here for sex <laughs> right. but I it. am because to me I have to be in a different frame of mind to write sex than mm-hmm. I do to write story just general story and so I am one of those people who comes back and writes my sex scenes later Oh, that's interesting. Ashley, do you write them in sequence? Yeah, I pretty much write in sequence. The only thing I have a tendency to write out of sequence are emotional scenes. So like if something's going to get killed or something's really, really emotional, those have a really weird habit of kind of like shower ideas. Like they just pop into my head out of nowhere and I have to grab something and write it down like right then and there because they'll go away and I, I refuse that. Like the third book in the series I'm writing, I already have the opening scene written and done and it, it was just one of those that just kind of came to my head one day and then I went okay oh, that's you're gonna sit for three years because you're not needed for anything <laughs> whatsoever I don't have time I have to write the other two first so I met you guys I don't even know how we've known each other for a year now right it's March somehow we met each other Maddie, I think we were on a writing sprint and we didn't write. We just talked. (laughs) It was just the two of us and it was supposed to be a writing sprint and we wrote not one word. We just talked. That was all it took for me to know I wanted to work with you. So what's interesting is when I was starting out, um, I say this all the time, but for anybody listening who's new, um, in 2017, I had moved it was like one year into our move in Dallas. And of course I didn't know anyone because moving is rough. And I was trying to finish my book and I was like, this is so hard. There's so many things that I don't know and I don't know how to do. And so that was one of the reasons why I was like, I need to find a community and I couldn't find a community. So I just made a community. (laughs) Like, why not? So somehow I found you ladies, which is awesome. Do you, what were you guys looking for when you found the creative writing community? And could you tell people like a little bit about what we do? Because it always comes better from you all than from me. <laughs> um, well, I, I found you. Um, I bought like a pack and the Christmas time of 2020. Um, and it said in there like writing sprints and um, you were just starting them. And I was like, well, mm-hmm. why not? The community I was in was closing and I was really sad. So I figured, well, what do I have to lose? And I'm pretty sure I was on that. Like we had a spare or we didn't type anything at all either when we first started. Um, and it just kind of. You guys are not giving me a good um, It just kind of clicked. I mean, now we do forever. But when we yeah. first, when we yes, first started, we you know, getting to know each other, it was so mm-hmm. awesome. I just kind of knew like you guys, you guys were my place and everybody got along. And even though we don't all write the same genre having that accountability to show up and like, I didn't want to let you guys down. Like I have to show up to let you guys down. And even further along when I was procrastinating out of fear of getting my book finished, I had a lovely person to that's on this podcast <laughs> right over here. here. Call me and say, what do I have to do? Like, what do I have to do to help you get this out? And I know that I would have gotten it out, but I don't know without that push, if it would have come out exactly when it did. Because 
having mm-hmm. you guys is a like I don't want to I don't want to not show up for you guys because I promised I'd show up for you guys. So it's like that added accountability. Yeah, I just it, I love it. That is one of the things that I thought about. Like I think that when you're frustrated, there's somebody that you can talk to, and when you're you have some a win that you need to celebrate there's somebody that is around to celebrate because they understand a win that only other writers will get because let's be honest here there are so many wins that happen in your writing world that the people that do not write will look at you and be like okay am I supposed to clap like what do you want me to do here yeah that's true that is very true what about you Maddie well, I found you the exact same way that Ashley did. I bought a pack oh, and there you were in it and you did a, a little mini course and I loved your mm-hmm. course. And so at the bottom of it, you offered a sprint. And I thought, well, this is a woman who has information that I need. She knows her business in ways that I don't know my business. And I think that there's there's synergy here. Um, so I signed up for the sprint. And of course, by the end of 45 minutes, we were friends. Um, at least I thought we were friends. And I yes. do have to say, I joined this for accountability. But what I found was half a dozen to a dozen best friends. I I, mm-hmm. I, I don't sprint usually on the weekends, although I know you guys do sometimes. I miss not seeing it. I miss people on the weekends when I don't see you guys. It is so supportive. I came for the accountability and it works that way. I, you know, if I, if I call in for a two hour sprint and we say, start the clock now, we're going to write for 45 minutes for 45 minutes. I write, but Mm -hmm. I come also for the camaraderie, the advice, the love, the support, the love and support that this group gives. And, and Ashley said, we don't all write the same genre. Uh, it doesn't matter. I can talk to someone who lives half a world away and writes children's books, and they will teach me things that I don't know. And hopefully I will teach them things that they don't know as well. In just those few minutes that we chat between the writing, the writing sprints, but I write a solid three to four hours every day now, thanks to these sprints. And I can honestly say I didn't do that before. Yeah, I think and it's if somebody's listening like three to four hours a day, because once you have a book out, literally you have to have what a newsletter, a blog, social media, <laughs> Pinterest, <laughs> plus the new book. There's a lot that comes included. Yeah, you know, there's so much writing. And to have yeah, to have your plans set up and ready to go yeah. for the next one. That was my thing. I put trusting you out with the intention of trusting me coming out in six months. Um, and from the sales and the interest that I saw, given that I work in marketing as a regular basis, I knew, no, nope, I have a window and I need to capitalize on it. But I would not be able to have put my plan in place, stick to my plan and have confidence that my plan is going to happen if it wasn't for the community. Because I know sharing that plan with you guys, you'll check in with me on those days. All I have to do is post that. I have those days and I know somebody's going to ask me if I did it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's nice. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I don't feel as much overwhelmed. Like I don't have to know everything as a one person business. Basically all of us are because I can come to you guys and be like, what, what, what do I do? <laughs> what should I talk about in my newsletter? What, you know, how do you get the, how do you do Pinterest? Because I don't know. <laughs> But one of the marvelous things is we all come with some expertise. Yes. And it's not the same expertise. Exactly. And we share expertise because that's the marvelous thing about authors when you talk about community is that authors understand that helping each other doesn't take away from their own success. There's enough to go around. Yes. I love that about the indie author world. Like it actually helps you if you collaborate with others. It just, like the it's a lot better than other artistic circles that or so I've heard. <laughs> yes, and I will put in a pitch as Ashley did for a story origin mm. um, because it is a great tool for collaboration with other authors. Very true. Yes, we rave about story origin all the time. If you guys haven't heard, Evan was on the podcast the end of January. 
you know, I should have all these podcast episodes memorized, but I don't. So <laughs> put the links in the show notes. Um, before we go, can you guys, Maddie first, and then Ashley tell people where they can find you and sign up for your newsletter because you guys have nice little freebies in there where they can find your book and anything else that you think is important. Okay. My books are all on amazon.com or on Kindle Unlimited. And I have one historical romance standalone and the rest are the series that I discussed. And you can get signed up for my newsletter at madisonmichael.net and you will get a prequel to the Beguiling Bachelor series. And if you like steamy romance, I can also make available a steamy little novella. It is my pleasure. And you will get my newsletter every other week with updates on upcoming books and what's happening in the area and just stuff that I like to share. Nice. How about you, Ashley Kay? Um, so uh, all my books, uh, my one book, Trusting You, is live on Kindle Unlimited and Amazon. You can find me at um, ashleykauthor.com. All of my social handles are at Ashley K Author. So you can find me on Instagram or Facebook through those. If you are looking to join the super fun reading group, Ashley K uh, on Facebook, Ashley K Readers is a great place. Um, we do some fun things. And um, if you go on my website, there's a newsletter sign up available on there. And you actually get the first three chapters free of uh, trusting you. Um, so you get to kind of sample it out before you dive in. Nice, nice. And I know both of your newsletters are constantly collaborating with other romance writers. So and recommendations and what you guys are reading. So if you are a romance reader or you're feeling like you should be because we said that you should try it out, I recommend you get on their newsletters and read their books as well. Um, Thank you, Madison and Ashley. I'm so excited to have you guys on and I'm so excited for your books as well. Thank you, Kat. Thank you, Kat. You're still listening. Since you are, could you do me a favor and head over to the app that you're listening to this episode on and hit the subscribe button and then rate and review the show? It would really help the Pencils and Lipstick podcast get out into the world. And if you're enjoying the podcast, well, then there might be more people out there who would enjoy it as well. If you want to find out more about me, you can head over to catcaldwell.com. I have my story over there, my books, my interactive journals, my one-on-one coaching information, and information on my creative writing community membership group. If you're looking to write a book or you are a writer and you just want to find out more about how to write, how to publish, how to format, how to market, and all the things that go into being an author these days, check out the membership group. There is a 14 free day trial that you can try it out, get into the masterminds, find out all the goodies that we are talking about in the group. I would love to see you there.